Glad you're here tonight. If you have your Bibles, would you turn me to 2 Kings chapter 6? 2 Kings chapter 6. Second Kings chapter six. <clears throat> so Sunday night, I fly to Germany, and I'm working with um, a denomination of Muslim believers, people who uh, have come to Christ, and uh, they're meeting for all over the world. Even the site of which I'm actually doing in the meetings which I'm not a main player, but I'm one of the kind of consultant people that are invited to come. We don't even know the hotel yet because of safety. I'd have to be careful about bombings and these sorts of things. So uh, we know where to fly into. We know what uh, direction to go. But I assume day of or something or the day before we'll hear. And it uh, makes it all very exciting. Uh, and then I head down to Tanzania. So What's interesting about Tanzania is I'm going to be in the city of Mwanza, which is off of Lake Victoria in the north central part of Tanzania. But wouldn't you know it, this last week, Ebola is breaking out just above uh, in the Uganda, the parts of Uganda. So uh, there's a big warning, you know, got to be a little bit careful. I, I really don't worry about these things, quite frankly. But one of our priests down in Vero, daughter, works for the uh, administration. And so they apparently there is a non-licensed, but a something that they use for aid workers and things. And uh, it's possible that tomorrow we'll get FedEx some of these things, which would be quite nice. Except for, it's supposed to make you sick for two or three days. So if I get it, we'll be praying on Sunday that I can avoid, uh, you don't really want to uh, fly from here to Amsterdam and drive into Germany. It's cheaper to fly to Amsterdam. It's only a couple hours, you know, where I'm going. And um, Anyway, so remember me in your prayers these next couple of weeks. It's exciting to go to these places that I get to go, but there are these crazy things that happen. And of course, uh, we're praying for all the people there um, who could potentially get a bullet in that area. Um, but uh, anyway, you never know what's going to happen on these things. All right, tonight I want to talk about faith. Forgive me, I'm just putting my couch there. I don't know how indignified it looks, but it to have them dry makes it worse. All right, so <clears throat> Jesus said this most remarkable thing about a father who had a demon-possessed child. It happens in Mark chapter 9. I'm not going to go tonight, but about verse 31. The guy says, hey, your disciples couldn't do it. He's in the complaint department. His disciples, you know, your disciples couldn't cast it out, couldn't help us out, et cetera, et cetera. Jesus talking to him. The demons are throwing the kid down. Jesus having a conversation. You know, when did it start? You know, it doesn't seem to be any big hurry until a crowd comes. And when the crowd starts to come, he dismisses the demon and says, I command you to get out and never come back to him. Um, and, uh, but, but the father, right before this, had said to him, about verse 19 or 20, something like that of Mark chapter 9, he says, uh, if you can help us, it'd be really great. Jesus got mad. He said, if I can, everything's possible to those who believe. Now, there's different kinds of belief, though, and there's a lot of people who say they believe in God, and I think they mean it as far as they know. I mean, how do you know that you don't believe your, your faith in God isn't very deep until something happens to deepen it? Uh, you know, I, you know, you can't really, you don't really know. I mean, who, there's not like we come with a, uh, you know, Coors beer used to have that little thing where you, I don't drink Coors beer, believe me, but anyway, 
not that I wouldn't drink a beer, but not Coors beer. Uh, but they had this thing where like you could push it and it would get blue depending upon how cold it was. You know, like the thermometer on the thing, oh, it's perfectly cold for cheap beer. Who would want that? But anyway, um, it's not like our faith comes with some kind of thing that says, oh, you got 8x of faith and the next guy's got three and the next lady's got 17. It doesn't, you know, how, how much faith are we going to have? The way that we see people who have faith is that they're able to manifest the kingdom of God in their daily life because they're connected deeply to God. And I'm going to suggest to you there's a couple key things which we're going to look in 2 Kings chapter 6, which is where we're going. And it, and it comes down to a belief in God, but not simply a belief in God. It's a belief in the goodness of God. There are a lot of people who think God wants to kill them, doesn't like them, is mean, has all power. They have an intellectual construct of God, and they believe in that. I think they really do believe in that. But that's not the kind of belief that changes anything. That just makes people miserable. The, ch- the kind of faith that changes you know, people who believe in God and know that he's good. And you can't have a belief in God and a knowledge of his goodness without having time, spending lots of time with that God. Okay? And the way that you get qualified from that time is to, to listen and to obey. I mean, there's a connectedness in that relationship of intimacy which gives us a revelation of the goodness of God. And the people who know how good God is they're able to walk and to experience powerful things. I mean, there's so many people who disagree about so many things. I mean, you know, there's 55,000 plus denominations in the Protestant world since the Reformation. All of them claiming that the Scripture is perfectly understandable and that whatever particular way we read it, everybody else should see it's obvious that we're right. Except for there's 55,000 different splits that have been identified since the Reformation. So you got all these people saying all these different things. Who do we believe? Well, we're looking for people who've got a faith in God and have an intimate relationship with God and know the goodness of God. And the way that we see that in the Bible, the people that fit those kind of characteristics, they walked in the power of God. Because the power of God comes to those who know God. And it's a kind of knowing. It's a knowledge of God. There's certainly the reverent fear of God, but it also comes in the knowledge of the goodness of God. Those are the people who are able to ask for profound things and to experience them. See, it takes a lot of time of spending time with God daily, surrendering to God daily, so that we can, in the midst of a crisis, take our eyes off of the size of the crisis and stay anchored in the goodness of God. Because some people try to do that by denying that there are crises, like, I don't really have cancer, I don't really have... Listen, there's a lot of terrible things. The, the, the way that people operate in the power of the kingdom in faith is not by being in denial about the terribleness of a particular situation. Many situations are impossible. That's actually not the problem. So the question is, are you able to focus on the goodness of God and rather than the bigness of our problems? Because Jesus said, to everyone who believes, everything is possible to the one or to the person that believes. Everything's possible. So we see strangely in the Old Testament this exhibited in two different ways in the sixth chapter of 2 Kings. And um, so it says, uh, and the sons, verse 6, verse 1, excuse me, of chapter 6, and the sons of the prophets said to Elisha, now who are the sons of the prophets? Well, they had prophetic schools, not unlike today. I mean, you can go out to Reading and be trained by uh, Bill Johnson's school 
You know, hey, if people are, are healing people with cancer and doing signs and wonders, you could do worse than to go to a place like that and learn how to pray. Hey, if God's doing the miraculous, hey, doesn't mean that, that, that doesn't mean, by the way, that everything they do is perfect, but it means they know God, they know His goodness, and they know it within the margin of error because when they pray, the God of heaven listens and does what they ask. I'm always pretty impressed with that. I mean, as an Anglican, you know, uh, Bill Johnson and I wouldn't agree about infant baptism. We likely don't believe the same about the end times. I mean, there would be lots of little things. But at the end of the day, when he and the people of this church pray for sick people, God shows up. There's a lot to be said for that. There's a lot to be said for that. <laughs> Believe me. Um, the knowledge of the goodness of God is more important than the knowledge of the finer points of theology. There is a critical mass of things we've got to know. Okay? But, but uh, uh, I'm really impressed with people who know God and His goodness, and they ask God, and God does things. Uh, that's a phenomenal thing. And there's lots of people. That's part of why I learned to love Catholics and Pentecostals and Charismatics and Baptists, is that when you know and you, if you pray, pray for people and you care about people, uh, you know that it's not a little thing to pray and have God answer. And when you see other people like this, you say, ah, this is the family. This is the team I'm on. This is the team I want to be on better. I mean, this is a phenomenal thing. So the sons of the prophets, Elisha was beginning to have national influence. He had been chased by Jezebel and Ahab. Ahab had not been replaced by Je- uh, Jehoram, I believe it is. Uh, not integral in his, get his name right, but I'm pretty sure it's Jehoram, um, the king of Israel. So uh, he's got such influence that people are flocking to him, and his Bible school is not big enough. And so they ask him, can we go down to the Jordan and cut down some trees and build a bigger school? Sounds like a very practical kind of matter. And Elisha in his, or this is Elisha, pardon me, Elisha in his wisdom says, sure, go ahead and do that. So the sons of the prophets said to Elijah, see now, the place where we dwell with, we dwell with you is too small for us, because there's more of us than there used to be. Right, it's growing, his influence, Elisha's, um, I might have been saying Elijah earlier, forgive me, but anyway, Elisha's influence is growing in a national big way. Please, let us go to the Jordan and let every man take a beam, a tree, you know, cut down a beam, a tree, uh, you know, a big log, and let us make there a place where we may dwell. We want to build a new campus. So Elisha answered, go. Then one said, please consent to go with your servants. Now this is interesting. You know, these are some smart people. I mean, if you've got people who really know Jesus, I, I've got some friends of mine, uh, Sharon Lewis and other ones that really, I mean, I've never been with Sharon on a mission trip or any place where God didn't show up. I mean, if I was going to do something, if I had my way, I, would, I, I want to do it with people like that. So, uh, yeah, I was like, Don, would you come with us? Jackie, would you come with us? You know, hey, uh, you know, don't just send us out there. Come with us because it's always good to have people who know God in significant ways, even as we're learning that. It's a good thing to stay close. And, and Elisha said, sure, I'll go with you. I don't think he was planning on doing a lot of logging, but nonetheless. So he went with them, and when they came to Jordan, they cut down trees. But as one was cutting down a tree, an iron axe head fell into the water. Now, I'm not, I was never very good in math or science, very, very much into the humanities track. But I do understand a little bit, and, and that is that when you have an axe head, uh, and it gets, falls into the water, comes off the axe handle... Uh, it's going to do what? Sink. All right? If you, if you have a balloon, the balloon won't sink, but, but an axe head will. So 
they're in big trouble in a sense. I mean, these were not little things. The iron axe head were, were expensive. They were valuable. And this one, uh, apparently, this guy had borrowed it and, and Price said, I promise I'll get it back to you. I won't hurt it. It's for the prophet. We're doing a new Bible school. Lend us, you know, lend it to us. And, and, and whoever it was said they would. But now the guy's in big trouble because he had made a pledge and a promise that he would return this axe head. But instead, he's now lost it. And he has no hope of recovery once it went into the river. So, but as one was cutting on a tree, the iron axe head fell into the water. And he cried out and said, Alas, master, speak to Elisha. For it was borrowed. Can you believe this? You know, I got an obligation. You make a pledge and you promise your integrity. And, and I said all these things and I said I'm a good intention and I don't have a way to pay it back and I have no way to get it. I, what am I going to do? So the man of God, now listen, can you imagine how neat it is that the Bible will refer to somebody as the man of God or the woman of God? I mean, a lot of people give themselves a lot of titles apostle, bishop, all kind of people give themselves titles. That's not real impressive. Other people, other men and women give them titles. That may be a little more impressive. But I can tell you what's the most impressive. When the Bible gives you a title. I'd like a title. I got PhD. I got titles. But none of them are anywhere close as good as that title. I, I would love it, uh, you know, if the Lord would say, you know, if the Lord could write my tombstone and it said, the man of God, you know, it's not going to happen, but I, but I would love it. That's, that would be, what, what could be better said of you than that to be the case? So, the man of God said, where did it fall? And he showed him the place. Now, this is a random thing. There is no apparent logical, theological, biblical, nobody can make sense of this miracle. It is a one-off, weirdo, freak miracle. I mean, it's one thing you say, well, you saved the woman that's dying, or you, you, you pray for the kid, or, or you pray for the nation, or, or you stop the drought. I mean, those kind of prayers make sense. But a prayer for an axe head? I mean, sure, the guy, you know, pledged and promised, but, but really? Elijah, Elijah says, show me where it is. He cuts a branch. Now, you talk about using your creative imagination. There is not, it is not apparent that God told him what to do. But he was in some kind of communion with God, and the idea came to him through his sanctified imagination, and, and God put it in his mouth. Oh, you cut a branch, throw the branch in. Branches do float, by the way, but he, he throws the branch in. Now, some people have stretched and say it was a, it was a type of cross. Uh, no, there's no apparent, you know, uh, pretty unlikely. But the point is, he throws it in. And when he throws it in, the axe head floats. That's a pretty awesome party trick. All right. He showed him the place. He cut off a stick, threw it in the water, and he, he made the iron float. Of course, God did it, but you know, sometimes people say, uh, don't let it be any of me. It's always supposed to be you. Yield it to God. Did you know that? Elisha made the iron axe head float. Now, he did it in a way only by the power of God, but it is true to say that Elisha did it, even though we understand also it would be impossible for Elisha to do it if God wasn't doing it. Okay? Now, there are people, we don't want people who claim as if they can do things apart from God. Okay? That wouldn't be true. We know that. But Deuteronomy 9.3 says, God says, I will go before you like a consuming fire. I will do this and I'll do that so that you can do it. Meaning God operates by his supernatural power in such a way that he invites us into that so that we can participate with him in that, so that it is really God, and it is also really us. 
And the Bible's not embarrassed to say that. Did you know what Jesus told the disciples? He said, you go heal the sick. Now, did he expect the disciples to be in communion with God and walking by the power of the Spirit? Of course he did. I'm not talking about any kind of power apart from. But sometimes we have a very negative view of our humanity, but the difference is since Jesus lives in our heart by faith, and since the Holy Spirit is living and dwelling in us, Jesus does the miracle in and through us. And it's, of course, we don't want to be egotistical, but on the other hand, isn't it beautiful that the conception that God has of human beings is that he is not ashamed or embarrassed to include us as instrumental agents in his work. I mean, if you know theology, we'd say God is the first cause. He's the originator. Without the power, it'd be impossible. But he uses instruments, and those instruments can be us. What could be more exciting than that? So Elisha made it. Obviously not apart from God, but it really was Elisha who did it because God saw fit to use Elisha. All right, therefore he said, now this is very, this is another big thing as you're going to pray for healing tonight for people. Then Elisha says to the man, you pick it up. See, there's always the part that only God can do. We must believe that God will do the part that only God can do. Yes, but that we're supposed to do the part that we can do. You see what I'm saying? Does that make sense? There's a part that only God can do. Don't even try. Don't waste, don't waste your time. But the part that he can, he can pick it up out of the water. He picks it up out of the water. He did his part. Now, remember what Jesus says? If I can, Matthew, Mark 9, everything's possible to those who believe. Everything. Everything's possible. I could tell you some stories. All right, one last one. The idea tonight is to tell you a few stories, kind of poking the eye a little bit, stir up your faith, and uh, a little bit just the knowledge of the goodness. Think about what it tells us about God, who would care enough about the guy who made a promise that he didn't want the guy to have to make any excuses. And so he uses Elisha to make an iron axe head float. And the whole point of course is what? Iron axe heads don't float. That's the point. Okay, it, wouldn't be, it wouldn't be awesome, it wouldn't be a miracle, it wouldn't be, except for the God that we serve loves us and he cares about even seemingly insignificant. I mean, what would we do today? We might just say, sorry, you're going to have to apologize and pay him back. If we were really good guys, we'd say, okay, we'll take up an offering and we'll pay for a new one. We'll all pitch in because you don't have the money. That's what we do today. But if you really know the goodness of God, everything's in play. Everything's in play. This is why it's so dangerous. We love doctors. We love medicine. We love all these different things. But once a person lets a doctor be the final say, God is, gets the final word because everything's possible to those who believe. We prayed for a, ba a baby not three years ago from River Cross Church. The, uh, she was on a ventilator. The battery went out. of the, Somehow the thing got turned off for 45 minutes, no oxygen. I was on my way to Peru. I went with uh, the family and I think Susie. Uh, we went in there, prayed. I didn't know what happened. I come back three weeks later. The Lord healed that girl. There was no brain stuff. And all of a sudden, the girl today, she, when we go over there, she is running, playing. It's just as normal as any other kid. We've got everything's Everything is in play with God. Everything is in play. Everything's possible. Now, the king of Syria was making war against Israel. And he consulted with his servant, saying, my camp, okay, we're gonna, what he's saying is this, he's saying, okay, we're going to go over here, and when the king of Israel comes over here, we'll attack him. 
All right, so my camp will be in such and such a place, meaning he's telling his generals and his leaders what they're going to do. And the man of God, Elisha, sent to the king of Israel saying, beware that you don't pass this place, for the Syrians, Syrians are coming there. So Elisha is giving a messenger information that he has prophetically from God. And so the king of Israel listens, but he's not really sure. So he listens, and then he sends a messenger to go watch and see, were the, Sir, were the, not Assyrians, were the Syrians really there? And of course they were. So, 10, then the king of Israel sent someone to the place of which the man of God had told them. Thus he warned them, and he was watchful there, not just once or twice. Meaning, many times the king of Assyria was ready to uh, be like guerrilla warfare and, and get the king of Israel and to catch him in a... Uh, in a bad spot and sneak up on whatever. But Elisha saw because God was giving him information that he couldn't have, except for he was intimate with God. Because intimate with God, God shared his thoughts and knowledge with Elisha. What a wonderful thing. So the king of Israel is getting impressed, of course, and the king of Syria is getting mad because he's saying, we got a problem because we have someone who's betraying us. Who's betraying us? Because every time we do what we're supposed to do, Somehow, they know about it. So someone is betraying us. This is what the king of Syria thought. So look at verse 11. Therefore, the heart of the king of Syria was greatly troubled by this thing. And he called his servants and said to them, Will you not show me which of us is for the king of Which of us is betraying us and really wants the king of Israel? Because somehow they're getting all of our secrets. One of his servants said, none, my lord, O king, but Elisha the prophet who is in Israel tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. Meaning the most intimate things you're talking about, Elisha knows God and he knows the goodness of God. And so God is telling Elisha all these things. You can't keep anything hidden from him. So he said, go and see where he is, because I'm going to find him and kill him, that I may send and get him. And it was told him, saying, surely he is in Dothan and not Alabama. All right? So, 14. Therefore, he sent horses and chariots. In that age, a chariot was the highest. It was like having a tank, you know, against uh, Lincoln toys. I mean, you know, the chariots, they were metal, and, the, you know, they designed the horse would run over you, et cetera, et cetera. I mean... He sent horses and chariots and a great army there, and they came by night and surrounded the city. And when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? Meaning, basically, there's nothing we can do. We're fixing to die. We're surrounded. And these guys are way tougher than us, and there's way more of them. So he, Elisha, answered, verse 16, do not fear. Now this is the problem. When people know God, we, it is hard to tell the difference between someone who knows God and someone who's just crazy. Did you know that? There's a lot of people who just talk and smack. They don't really know anything. They tell you they had a dream or a vision. They say this stuff, but it doesn't come true over and over again. But they've been in the Pentecostal churches long enough, in the charismatic churches, and they've been to revival services. So they know the vocabulary of faith, but they don't know God that well. And so whether they're sincere or insincere, they say all kind of nutty and crazy things. Do you know for sure when we know if they're on or they're off, if they really know or they don't know? When it's too late. 
I can tell you a whole lot of people I didn't think know what they're talking about, and they were proven. I had this young guy who was a doctor. Now he's up in Memphis, a priest of ours now. But I remember when he came to us from Florida State, he was going to UF Medical School. You know Nahum. Um, at least a bunch of you do. And uh, the guy was nutty. I had never been around any Pentecostal people. We were afraid of them. We avoided them on purpose. And, and yet he came to my Bible study and he would say these things. And honestly, I thought, this guy is smoking pot. This guy is a knucklehead. How did he get into medical school? But he told me things. And the things that he said, even though he was weird, and he said it in a way that was very strange, um, and I had, see, I, at that time, this is, I was so prideful, this is what I thought. If it hasn't happened to me, it's not real. Like, if I haven't had, it, if I haven't had a dream, then no one gets dreams. I, I, I learned quickly that was a mistake. Listen, we all have different gifts and experiences. There's people with incredible experience with God that I haven't had, and how wonderful. We don't all have, the, you know, we respect, we don't have to pay attention just make sure that when we see these supernatural things come from God, because the enemy does things too. But nonetheless, this boy at the time, young man now, young pastor, actually he's probably 40 by now, um, he told me so many things that came so exactly true that were so unlikely to come true that that's probably the first time I learned there were a prophet and prophetic people that I should be listening to and not disdaining. It was a real lesson for me, and he was very patient with me. So don't fear. I'd be saying, what do you mean don't fear? We're surrounded by horses and chairs. I'm a hillbilly. I know what it means to have bigger guns and better positions and more of them and all that stuff. Don't fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Now, the servant's looking around thinking, it's just me and you. See, that's a, prophetic people, people who know God, even the good ones, they sound crazy. They sound crazy. Get to know them well before the problems, hopefully, and then you'll be able to know, okay, this guy really knows, this, this lady, she's, you know, I've been around them before. So Elisha prayed. Now remember, he could pray, then an axe head would float, and it did. Now he prays that the person who doesn't have faith and can't see can see what can't be seen. Oh, I love this. He prayed that someone who couldn't see, tonight, that's what we're going to pray for you tonight. That what you haven't been able to see, God would reveal to you that you'd be able to see. Yesterday, I got a uh, iMessage, uh, yeah, iMessenger, iMessage, yes, um, from a friend of ours in India. His son has been at uh, Bible school down in South India to, as a worship leader, musician, but he's coming home, and he's got some crazy nerve problem in his leg. And he said, would you pray for him? So, Yes, I said I would pray, and I meant it, but I couldn't sleep, so I really prayed right away then. Uh, so I prayed for him quite a bit last night. And the Lord showed me a picture, and he showed me a uh, black and green and white snake kind of balled up in almost like a, a, a gift box, almost like you might get a watch or a ring in. I couldn't tell how big it was. But it was a, I could see it was a snake, like a garter snake, um, and, but it was all like stuffed in an invisible box where there was a bow on it, but I couldn't see the box. I could just see the... The snake, in essence, as if he had been pushed in a box. So I, I texted the guy last night about 12.30 or 1 in the morning. Did someone give him a gift? Someone's given him a cursed object, and it's messing him up. I have not heard back yet, but I am sure that we will. Because I'm praying, and the Lord said, ah, he shows me a picture. I haven't seen anything like that. I had a dream one time years and years ago, maybe more than 15 years ago. 
but I rarely get those kind of uh, vision kind of things. And uh, I, I can't wait to see what the Lord can do with that. But you know what? Um, when I get around people who know God well and differently than I do, I love to have them pray for me. Because there's something about being in the body of Christ. And it doesn't mean that we don't have our own spiritual gifts. But if I can get around people that I understand and know have other spiritual I want those people to pray for me. Something We are strengthened by the gifts and anointings of one another. I mean, I, you know, in the old days, I used to be afraid because I didn't know the goodness of God. I was more worried that the devil was going to do something to me. I had more faith in the devil than I did in God. But the day came when I realized God is for me and he is good. I mean, I'm not completely lacking in discernment, but nonetheless, these days, man, if they say, come forward, we want to pray for you, it, man, I'm the first guy to the front. I can always use prayer and help from people who know God. And if as best I can tell, people know God and know him well, man, I want prayer. I don't care if you're Catholic, uh, Pentecostal, Baptist, Presbyterian. I don't care who you are. If you know Jesus well, I am all in. I'm all in. Tonight, I want to pray. Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes, verse 17, that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man. Now, he could have just said, trust me, you're my servant, shut up. I'm a hillbilly. That's kind of more how we'd handle it. My dad would be like, hey, pipe down. Just stand right there. You're right. It'll work out. Listen to me. That would be enough. He was, he was the leader of the prophets. He could have just, he was just so wonderful. Elisha was just so cool. He's like, I want this guy to see. And God said, okay, if you want him to see, I'll let him see. Why didn't he see the first time? Because he just didn't know God that well. But if someone who did, Elisha says, I want him to see, God says, okay, Elisha, for your sake, yeah, I'll do it. Isn't it neat that God would be like that? He'd be so good and so kind that he would honor what Elisha asked, even if it's an axe head, even if it's given spiritual vision to a guy who isn't mature enough to have it. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. So when the Syrians came down to him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, now, he asked for the guy who couldn't see to see. Now he's going to pray that the people who can see will be dimmed in their vision. So he prayed for sight for the one, okay, what's invisible to be seen, and now he's saying, and, and Lord, for these ones, the enemies, take what they can see which is visible, but make it invisible. And God was cool enough to say, I mean, God could have sent angels just destroyed them all. He got, there's just so many ways. It seems that what we have is that God is just working with Elisha. And Elisha is his man, and he loves him, and so they're cooperating in this beautiful thing together. And God's not embarrassed or ashamed to let Elisha play this thing out and be with him. As long as Elisha is near God and going to the right place, God's playing it out. So behold, uh, uh, sorry, 18. So the Syrians came down to him. Elisha prayed, Lord, and said, Strike these people, I pray, with blindness. And he struck them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. I Meaning he honored what Elisha said. That's incredible. We prayed for a man yesterday. Susan and I were there with some other friends in the hospital, losing it with a little bit of dementia. They had to strap him down. Part of the problem of strapping down is not just that he's panicking, 
This is a wonderful man of God, a wonderful pastor in his old age. But because they had to strap down his hands, he can't go to a rehab center because they won't take someone that is out of control. We prayed last night together with the family. He slept peacefully, unstrapped. Tomorrow he goes to the place where he needs to go. Pray. We don't deserve that. We're nobody special. But we serve a God who cares. He cared about Jack. He cares about us. How wonderful. Now Elisha said, this is not the way, nor is this the city. Now what? They were at Dothan. He's deceiving them. Now he's telling them the truth, but I want you to know something. He's deceiving them. Some of you can't handle that. I'm just telling you, he's deceiving them. Okay? The point is they were looking for this man, meaning Elisha, and they were looking for Dothan. He leads them someplace else, which means he's going to take them to Samaria where they're going to be surrounded. All right? So some of you can handle that, some of you can't, but this is how it works. Elisha said to them, this is not the way, nor is this the city. Follow me, and I will bring you to the man whom you seek. He was the man they sought, by the way. But he led them to Samaria, Samaria, where the king of Israel was. So it was that when they had come to Samaria, now see, they could see just enough to follow him, but not good enough to know what was going on. How did that happen? I don't know. It sounds like fun. So when they got to Samaria, Elisha said, verse 20, Lord, open the eyes of these men so they now can see. Now that they're in big trouble and they're all getting ready to be killed, let them see now. Give them their vision back. And the Lord opened their eyes and they saw and they were in the middle of Samaria. 21. Now when the king of Israel saw them, he said to Elisha, my father, shall I kill them? Shall I kill them? This is great. We got them all surrounded. They're right in the middle of us. You know, let's butcher them all. He's probably in West Virginia. He's probably one of my family, this guy. I like it. This is the way I think. I love this guy. But Elisha answered, you shall not kill them. Would you kill those you've taken captive with your sword and your bow? No, you wouldn't do that. That's not right to, to butcher them. So food and water, set food and water before them and that they may eat and drink and go to their master. I'm going to send them home. And that's going to be a bigger lesson than butchering them. Then he prepared a great feast for them, and after they ate and drank, he sent them away. They went to their masters, so the bands of Syrian raiders came no more into the land of Israel. Now, the story gets actually better and better. We don't have time for that tonight. Okay? But you have to go home and have family devotions at the end. Here's the thing. To believe in God properly is to know his goodness. You don't really get that intellectually. It happens by encounter, spending time with God in his word, in submission, living your life daily. I mean, and, and Elisha was able to exhibit the principles of Jesus that everything is possible, everything is possible to those who believe. Everything is in play. So the first thing I want to say is, do you know God's goodness? Who's talked you out of his goodness through the years? What disappointments, what heartaches, what things did you think were supposed to happen a certain way? How did you go off the track? Do you know his goodness? Tonight we want to pray that ones who either lost or have never experienced 
real spiritual sight and discernment, that God would give it to you in a way that would help you to flourish in your faith and obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I wish I was a person of greater faith. I wish I was, uh, had more anointing than I have. I, this is what I do know. I know tonight when I pray you, you won't be worse. That's, now, that's a low bar. It's a low bar, but, <laughs> but that's what I, I guarantee you will not be worse when we ask God to open your eyes and to give you more than you've had. Not, and again, we're not presuming any defect, meaning we all. If you want to say, and, and Ron, and, and Lord, bless Ron, give him more sight, I'll be happy. Bless me real quick. I'm, I'm happy with it, all right? Meaning we all, I, I want to grow more and more. But tonight, I especially want to pray for spiritual sight and wisdom. When I had that picture last night, as I'm falling asleep in my rocking chair on my porch, when I start falling asleep, that's the thing. You know, I can't fall asleep until I go out and rock and pray. But when I rock and pray, then I got to wake up a little bit to get back to my bed. So it's a kind of a, you know, a little thing there. But I'm realizing the Lord showed me this thing. So I immediately, I text on iMessage back to India, and uh, I thought, wow, isn't that neat? I haven't had anything like that in a long time. That the Lord would give us discernment, that by His Spirit, He would show us and open up our eyes. I wonder in what situations you need His discernment, direction, leading, and guiding. Or what people around you, if He opened up your eyes, what a blessing you might be for the people around you. We really need insight from God. We really need it. The Old Testament provides lessons for us. One of the lessons here was, in this place of confidence with God and even the blessing of the enemies, the enemies stopped harassing them because they blessed them so profoundly. That's Romans 12 and other places. Bless your enemies and curse not. Okay? There is something that happens when the goodness of God gets in deeply and profoundly in God's people, and they begin to pray and seek Him. Uh, even our enemies are blessed, and we are blessed, because God begins to take the preeminent place that He's in, but we begin to acknowledge it, and then the power of God begins to manifest in all kinds of ways. So tonight, we're going to pray. There may be other things. Maybe you've got a bad knee or whatever it is, but tonight we're going to pray that your eyes would be open, that whatever thing would blind you, hinder you, what everything just can't be seen unless God opens it, that God would do so. That he would encourage us, uh, that he would help us to know how to be more obedient and to follow him more perfectly. That we could please him. Uh, you know, there's something about this thing reinforces. When we begin to see the goodness of God and he starts answering our prayers, of course, we pray more. When I started God healing knees, I started praying more for knees. You know, in the old days, I was embarrassed. I kept thinking, well, what will happen if it doesn't get better? I thought it was all about me. It ain't all about me. You've got you to forget about yourself if you're going to pray for healing and power. You've got to focus on the glory of God and God. I don't think about me. I don't think, do I have enough anointing for this demon? I don't think, am I good? If I thought those kind of thoughts, the answer would be no. The whole point is, it isn't just Ron. Jesus lives in my heart by faith. The power comes to the Holy Spirit. But if I was thinking about me and your situation, I'd be useless to you. That's why sometimes people want to tell you this big, long story. And it's important to listen to people, but in the prayer line, it isn't that helpful. I don't want to be distracted at how all these crazy things happen. I just want to focus on how much God loves you and pray for him to bless you and to help you and to strengthen you and to deliver you from whatever situation that you're in.
One last thing. If you're being disciplined for disobedience, you have to get right with God. Nobody can undo a disciplined situation that God has you in because you're acting or living in disobedience. Meaning, when I won't forgive people, my prayers don't get answered. Okay? If you uh, forgive us our sins as we forgive, meaning if you, you can live in unforgiveness, just understand, when you come and ask people to bless you, and you're living in willful disobedience like unforgiveness, you're actually making it worse for yourself because blessings turn into curses to people who hold on to disobedience. When grace comes to those who take it, they're benefited. But when grace comes and anointing is there and we're not doing right, it actually causes more judgment because we're taking lightly the opportunity of the presence of God. That's why when the gospel is preached to those who receive it, they get saved. But to those who reject it, the judgment increases. There's no neutral. We're the movement former against them. All right? Now, it's one thing to say, I mean, many times I say, Lord, show me, you know, I, I don't think I can uh, remember everything I ever did wrong or something. I'm not trying to put some kind of, bur but let's just, if you know, I say, Lord, whatever you show me, I'll get right. Okay? There's things that took me 10 years to see, but, but, but I'm responsible with Jesus for the things that I can see. Get right in your chair now for the things you can see. Don't miss the opportunity and the blessing. Okay? Ask him every day for more. That you, you know, and he'll keep, if you'll start repenting and doing right with the things he shows you, he'll show you more things. And if you'll get right on the things you know, there is grace until tomorrow for the next things and the next batch of things he's going to show you then. But make sure that you're doing right by God because nobody can remove the judgment of God on you if he's teaching you and disciplining you because we've wandered from him. Okay? Lord Jesus, we love you. Lord, we thank you for Elisha, this guy who seemed to have a lot of fun. Lord, you seem to honor so many things that he did that no one else, just completely creative things. You just seem to be so pleased with him and his love for you that you honored him in all kinds of ways. And it's so inspiring, Lord. And it reminds us that you taught us everything is possible to those who believe. And Lord, that doesn't happen in a moment or a night. It comes in a, a character lifestyle of trusting you and learning your word and walking with you and realizing how much grace and love you have. I pray that that process will be happening in our lives. But tonight I ask that as a few of us pray, Lord, for others, and receive prayer. Lord, that you would honor our desire, which is that you would open up spiritual sight for these dear people that have you sent here tonight. We ask that you'd bless them and strengthen them. And whatever other needs they came for, we ask that you'd hear their prayers in that as well. And we ask these things because you're such a wonderful, a gracious, and a good God. And so it's we pray in Jesus' name, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.